So today's sermon is, do you know how to fight? Fighting is, is one of those things that uh, you learn. That that's not something that you're just put in a position and, and you do well. Uh, I come from a pretty rough area uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, my parents had eight kids. I was the oldest of eight kids, six boys. Um, just being the oldest, um, you know, I could pretty much take all of them. And, uh, <clears throat> but that wasn't always the case uh, in the streets. So, so my parents were pretty strict, and uh, when, when we were young, we had a bedtime, even in the summer, and the bedtime was before 9 o'clock. So one of the things that would happen is we'd be in bed like 8.30, and like the sun is still out, and, and, and you're hearing people, you know, outside playing, and that really, really that was the pits. Anyway, some people um, didn't have curfews. They could hang out to whatever time. And, and as a kid, you think that's kind of cool, but you realize later it's not. Uh, so one, one particular kid, um, his name was, was Lily. And he was a little shorter than me. And, uh, and I could see it coming on that he and I were going to have a problem. Uh, we were going to have a fight. I was about 10 years old. And, uh, and I knew I couldn't beat him. I, I, I just knew it. So the day came when it was going to go down. So I'm like, hey, I can't beat him. Let me go get a baseball bat. Come on. This was 43 years ago. I was 10. I, I got a baseball bat. I went outside. And, uh, and I approached him with the bat, and I swung the bat at him, and his mother came and jumped in the way, and I hit her with the bat. And a good Samaritan saw that and snatched the bat from me. Well, hitting Lily's mother with a bat was not a good idea. He gave me a good beating. And, uh, and I went in the house crying. My father was in the house. My father said, go outside and fight him again. It's like, I'm not going back out there. Oh, you're going back out there. And he sent me back out there. And Lily beat me up again. He like had me in the, in the yoke. And you know when you have a fight and it's like a circle, like people are, are watching, they saw me hit the guy with a bat. So even though I was a good guy, this guy just hit this guy's mother with a bat. He's spinning me around and I'm seeing like people as I'm going around. I go back in the house again. And my father said, go back out there. I'm like, Thank God my mother intervened at that point and said, he cannot beat him. Leave it alone. Um, after that day, I, I determined that's never going to happen to me again. So I don't, I don't know if it was that night because I'm sure I was pretty sore, but I started working out. So I'm not taking too many losses like that. But when we talk about fighting, there's a lot of different kind of fights and I've, I've had many different kind of fights in, in my life as I'm sure you have. So when we ask the question, do you know how to fight? Uh, knowing how to fight matters. 
Um, so we're going to be reading in the book of Matthew, starting at verse 4. So if you turn there, book of Matthew, starting at verse 4, and if you would stand for the reading of God's word. And the text reads, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, you will be, you will give him, you will give his angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, it is written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we, your people, are covered under your umbrella. We thank you that any fight that we engage in, that you've equipped us for. We thank you that there is no fight that we're engaged in that we're fighting alone. We thank you, Lord, with even the fights that we go through, that the victory is already won. Put it deep in our heart, Lord. Teach us how to fight, Lord. Teach us, Lord how to see things as they come down the pike and be so aware of what's going on, who the enemy is, and what you've called us to do. Sharpen our, our weapons of warfare, Lord. Be glorified, Lord, as you place these things on our hearts and have us ponder what your word says and the example that Jesus gave in how to engage in a spiritual fight. We lay these things before you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the, the first thing we need to know when we're in a fight, when we're in a battle, is we need to understand who our enemy is. I, I knew who Lily was. I, I knew uh, what he had the potential to do. Um, one of the things we need to know when we're speaking about a spiritual fight is who our enemy is. Often we either 
uh, choose to believe that there is no devil, uh, there are no demons, and this fight isn't spiritual. We only fight in the natural, the things that we see before us. But when we think that, we're obviously uh, attempting to fight the wrong thing. And, and, and if we're fighting the wrong thing and our uh, energy is spent trying to fight in a way that we cannot be successful and having an opponent that is not the real enemy, then what happens to the real enemy? He easily uh, is in the position to do us damage because we don't even know who we're fighting. In John chapter 8, it says that he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Because he is a liar and the father of lies. So, so when we hear that, we already get to see who we're speaking about. We also get to see um, what his tactics are. Where he's going to draw from. And, and that is uh, being a liar. Being the one who invented the lie. And, and so since he is that, then that means we have to understand what he looks like. When, when we are in, in a battle, not only do we need to know who we're fighting, we need to know before they get there what we're facing, right? What they look like. Because someone could sneak right on us, up on us, and if we're not aware of what they look like, then we're at a disadvantage. So it's very important for us to understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 14, it says, And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It is no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. So, so there's a promise in there that they're not going to get away with that. But what you have to recognize is things aren't always what they seem. Um, so even if you come as an agent of righteousness, that, that could mean in the church, that could mean uh, some do-gooder. Uh, it would be something that you may not expect. And when it says that the devil comes as an angel of light, basically what he's saying is uh, you need to be aware. Pay attention to how things are, what's being said, what's happening, what fruit is coming from it, which will give us a detection of whether it's from God or not. What is the enemy's mission? says that he's a thief, that he only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. God, on the other hand, says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So knowing that he comes as an angel of light, knowing that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy... We have to be sober-minded. We have to be alert. Because it says your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. 
This is what we're facing. This is what we're dealing with. And it comes in many forms. It it can come through a demonic oppression. It can come through human beings that are being used by him to accomplish a, a certain goal that he has in mind. It comes through circumstances. It comes in so many forms. What are his weapons? How does he operate? What tactics does he use? Well, we already see that he comes when he believes you are weak and vulnerable. Right from the beginning, we read that when Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him. So, so, so he was there and he was waiting. And when he felt he got to a point where he believed that Jesus was in a weakened state, as if that could be, but in, in his humanness, uh, he was fasting for 40 days. Um, He was in a physically weakened state because he was all man as well as being all God. But that's when he that's when he's going to come. Jesus was fasting. Fasting is to give up a physical craving to fulfill a greater spiritual need. It involves switching our priorities around. This is what's important. A prayer and fellowship for God, not, not so much what my, my needs are in terms of my stomach. But this is the thing. It says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. You may think, why would God lead Jesus into the wilderness? Because God is not on the defensive. God is on the offensive. God knew who his son was. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit so that Jesus being tempted in that way, every creation in heaven, every creation on the earth, all of creation under the earth would know that Jesus is the conqueror. That he is superior over the devil. He exposed the devil and his tactics and defeated him. And because of the victory that Jesus has, we can have. It's funny when you think about times that the devil has shown up. When the devil showed up with Adam, he was in a beautiful garden. When he showed up, with the second Adam, with Jesus, was in the backside of the wilderness. But but Jesus went out there. He went out there on purpose, and he went out there in the wilderness where where we were. He, He went out in the wilderness where we were to win a battle and to escort us back to the garden. 
Another thing that you see that the devil does, he's not only does he come when he believes we're in a weakened state, but he always comes and he questions your identity. He's going to find out, do you know who you are? He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The devil used the same exact tactics on Eve. It says in Genesis chapter three, starting at verse five, in fact, God knows that when you eat, that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So so he, he was letting her know or telling her and lying to her saying, God is, God is holding, holding out on you. God didn't actually make you like him. But the Bible says that, then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And then he blessed them. And then he told them, go and multiply and subdue the earth gave them dominion. But the devil told Eve, God didn't make you like him. The devil will always have you question your identity. And the devil questioned Jesus. If, If you are the son of God, Show me. If if you're the son of God, use your divine power and and satisfy your own needs. Physical needs could never be placed before spiritual needs. We can't allow circumstances to dictate our actions, especially when they are contrary to God's will. Jesus knew that. So so he tried the same trick on Jesus that he tried on Eve because the the devil doesn't have new tricks. He's got new people to play his old tricks on. And, and until we catch up and recognize how the devil fights, we can live defeated. And, and because we have the blood of Jesus, we have the victory. But what he's going to try to do is marginalize you the best he can. Because if he could have you a, as a believer limping around and struggling and, oh, woe is me, you, you may be on your way to heaven But God has so much more that he wants to use you for, for the purposes he's designed you for, that you would have spiritual muscles and go out and be part of what God is doing in the kingdom. 
We, we can't limp around. We can't walk around as if we're defeated. But just because you're washed in the blood of the lamb and you're on your way to heaven, he's not going to give up. What he's going to do then is let me try to make you as ineffective as possible. And, and the way he makes you ineffective is everything in your life is turned inward. Uh, to you and, and the struggles that you have and, and, and all that's going on in your life and you're just trying to be good and you're just trying to do right and you're just trying to get by and that's not what God has called any of us to do. He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, he answered, it is written, man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Recognize this. The same spiritual resources that Jesus used to defeat Satan are available to you and I. The power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word. What did Jesus say? It is written. See, see, temptation, uh, it involves the will. That, that's, that's what tempts us. It's, it's our will, something that's there that looks good, and then we have a question to answer. Are we going to walk in God's will? Or our own. So, so they, he, the devil couldn't do anything to Jesus because Jesus was mission minded. He came to do the Father's will. That, that's the place that we need to get to. That we are fully convinced no, it is the Father's will. And that's a daily dying to self. Right? That's not a one-time deal. We want to do that, but the enemy is not going to stop. So we have to keep making the decision, his will, not mine. Verses 8 says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you these things if you fall down and worship me. Hold on. We got to go back. I missed a part there. It's too, inf- too important. And I, I always number my notes. I make sure. So we're going to back up. Jesus was not tempted and did not surrender to that temptation because he was on a mission. In verse five, it says, then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, again, questioning his identification, who are you? Throw yourself down. For it is written, 
He will give his angels order concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. So, so look what the devil did. Oh, I told you to turn this bread into, this stone into bread, and you gave me scripture? All right, I, I'm going to give you scripture. This, this is scripture. God's going to protect you. So obey that, since you want to obey scripture. One of the things that is so important and so dangerous that so many Christians do, we cannot isolate texts. Don't take your favorite text, isolate that, use that as a catchphrase or a mantra and, and, and treat that as that's the gospel truth. All texts must be in context. What the, what the devil said was, was real. But think about what he was telling Jesus to do. So Jesus had to take the whole of scripture and say, you, he, he said, you are taking that out of context. Because for me to do that, it, it would be for me to test God. When the child of God is walking in the will of God, God will always protect them. But that's not what he said. He said, jump off of this. We have to know our Bibles. Our Bible is one of our weapons. It is our weapons. It's what Jesus used. You, you know what the weakness of the devil is? The truth. See, see, when we know the truth, it's not only that we're speaking the truth to the situation. We're speaking that truth to our heart. We're saying this is what God's word says. And, and when we follow that, we don't give the devil a foothold. We must know our word. We must use scripture in context. We have to fall in love with God's word. We need to know how to use God's word. You can have a sword, you can have a gun, you can have a machine gun. If you don't know how to use it, what good is it when the enemy comes your way? And he's coming. Now we're at verse 8. Again, the, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know what the devil offered him? A shortcut. There's no shortcuts. He offered him a shortcut to the kingdom. The funny thing is the kingdom was already his. 
But he knew what, Jesus knew what he was going to have to go through. He said, fall down and worship me and I'll give you this. Jesus answered, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil didn't say anything about serving him. He just said, worship me. But what Jesus knew was whatever you serve, that's what you worship. Whatever you worship, you will serve that thing. Whatever you worship, you will serve that thing. Whatever you got going on in here, and and it's an idol to you, you're going to serve it. You're going to feed it. You're going to protect it. Our agenda must be like Jesus's. Jesus defeated the devil because he came to do the father's will and not his own. The devil could not get to Jesus because of his righteousness. See, we're weak when we allow temptation. Temptation will come to lead us to sin. When we do that, that's when we give the devil a foothold. That's when we open up ourselves to be attacked. But we have weapons and we need to know what weapons we have and how to use them. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3, for although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the de- demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments. Think about that. Arguments. Those, those things you're like mulling over, the things that the world is putting out there saying, well, what about this? And I believe that we, we demolish arguments in every proud thing. Anything that thinks is going to raise his head above Jesus. Every proud thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ because that's where it's going to start well before you do something it's that thought that you allow to fester and stay there you can't help what comes in you can certainly help what you entertain and the longer you entertain it the closer it is to becoming something that's actualized something that's done and we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. You can come up, uh, worship team. 
what we must remember is Jesus used the same spiritual resources to defeat the devil that we have available to us. We are Holy Ghost filled believers. We have the power of the Holy Spirit with us and we have the power of the word of God and we can declare to the devil it is written. And we have allies. We have the heavenly host. We have the word of God. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. God himself dwells within us. The Bible says that he who was in us is greater than he who was in the world. So, so even engaging in these things, the devil and his demons who have limited power. Angels are powerful and they're fallen angels. But the angels that left their proper domain because of sin, because of their separation from God, there's no way that they have power even against God's angels. God puts limits on whatever they can do. The devil had to ask permission to touch Job's life. And because of God's magnificent power and glory, he's going to use all of those things for his perfect will to be accomplished. He's not allowing this in our lives to watch some show. He's making us more like Jesus every day with these things that we go through. We're going to um, take communion together as a family. But the reason why we are in the position to take communion is because of this. The Bible says, and when you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt. You owed a debt. The wages of sin is death. But he erased that certificate of death with its obligations, the price you would have had to pay that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. We're able to take communion because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. So the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a few minutes and 
reflect on that as we listen to this song, knowing that we have an enemy, but he's defeated. Knowing that we have victory because we're covered by the blood. But we have to continually go before God, even before engaging in communion, recognizing the price paid, remembering what he has done, but with clean hands and a pure heart. So let's take this time to speak to our God as we listen to the Thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are in the position to come to your table. Not because we deserve it, because we don't. But because of that rugged cross, because you won the victory for us, because you erased the certificate of death and its obligation, we thank you that you've disarmed the rulers and Authorities, We thank you that you disgraced them publicly, Lord. We thank you that you've triumphed over them, Lord. And because of that, because we belong to you, that victory is ours, oh God. We thank you that you said to do this so we would always remember the price paid. The Bible says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. That's why we take time to reflect, seek God's face. That's why we take time to ask for forgiveness before we even engage in this. So let that person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So we approach you, Lord, with clean hands and a pure heart, Lord, knowing that we are forgiven as we come and repent, transparent with you, knowing that you know every little part of us, Lord. We count it a privilege to engage in the Lord's table. The Bible says, for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together.
In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Just imagine the price of Jesus' blood. And that's where we have our new covenant. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Let's pray, family. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a weapon that the enemy cannot stand against. We thank you that even the fight that we're in is with one that is a defeated foe that you have on a chain. That even the battles that we engage in, oh God, you use it for us to look more like Christ. We thank you that we are not fighting alone, but you have given us weapons of warfare and you stand before us, Lord. That we are in your hands, Lord, that we're under the shadow of your wings, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord, that you showed us. The same devil, these demons, had no opportunity to repent. But those that you've called according to your purpose, Lord, those that you made in your image and your likeness, you have opened our eyes, oh God. Who has embraced enemies as family. You've placed us in your army, oh God. You've laid down your life for us, Lord. And you strengthen us. And you show us how to lay down our lives daily. Help us to do that, Lord. Teach us to fight, Lord. We don't want to just scrape by. We want to walk victorious as your children. We want to be about your business with the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. We want to be guided and directed and hear from you, Lord, and be able to detect your voice from all others, that we would be obedient to your voice over and above our own. You've rescued us not only from the devil, but from ourselves. You've rescued us from sin and death. Love you, oh God. We thank you counted a privilege to be part of your household. Be glorified in your house and in each one of our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. amen.